serving all of eastern Utah. This is News Talk, 107.3 FM and 7.50 AM. KOAL. Price. Right-footed kick is up, and it is good! The Rams are going to the Super Bowl! Rivers on a give. Gordon takes the left side and knights in for the score! Welcome to Bolts and Horns, a pro football show with Jordan Buscarini and Vinny Rondinelli on the Drive Time Sports Podcast Network. We're set for more Bolts and Horns, a pro football show here on the Drive Time Sports Podcast Network. Jordan Buscarini alongside Vinny Rondinelli. Vinny, I'm excited about the show today. The Combine was this past weekend. We have winners, we have losers, and we're going to have a special guest on the show today, Matt Manicharian of Sports Info Solutions. He's also the editor of the new book, the SIS Football Rookie Handbook, which has uh, tons of tidbits as far as this upcoming draft class. I'm psyched. I'm set to go. Yeah, this is awesome. It, it, this time of year, it's draft time's coming. It's it's heating up. Free agency's next week, and uh, it, it, football's you know football season may be over. It's not. It's just starting. No, it's 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 just starting. Yeah, last season ended. We're just starting. We're, we're we're set to go now. And in fact, if we take a look at the national sports headlines, and we have to have a condensed intro because I want to spend a lot of time with Matt today. I'm looking forward to it, Vinny. The top two headlines in the national sports scene. They relate to the NFL. Okay, so let's dive into it. The Baltimore Ravens have cut six-time Pro Bowler Eric Weddle. You're familiar with this guy. Spent some time with the Chargers. People in the state of Utah are familiar with this guy. Played for the Utes. He's got a great fan following here. Now he's a free agent. Shocking it all to you. Yeah, it is, actually. Baltimore was close. They actually made the playoffs. They're revamping to be a ground-and-pound and defensive team. This guy's a leader who played some solid football last year. So, you know, they don't have cap problems to begin with. So this one's a little shocking to me. This one's a little surprising because they need some veterans, especially with some young secondary players. So I, I was a little surprised by this one. Here's the problem. He's only 34 years old, right? He's got to the Pro Bowl six times. He can he's been play. a Pro Bowler every year since he's been in Baltimore, okay? Now, I'm going to correlate this to the next NFL story, which is no surprise at all. The Rams have released Mark Barron, who was a starter, but he's had some injury problems. To me, Mark Barron's one of the... He's a hybrid. He's a safety that was converted to a linebacker. I get that, okay? I understand the Rams releasing Mark Barron. I really don't understand the Ravens getting rid of Weddle. The, yeah, Rams, ha- yeah, they, they was... have inter- the Rams have interesting problems to begin with, right? They have a lot of free agents. They don't have a lot of cap space. That's not the case with Baltimore. I don't get that the two are coming from opposite ends of the spectrum here. Exactly, you're exactly right. Weddle's still playing solid football. Barron's had injury issues, high cap number. You know, me and you talk about the Rams and Chargers all the time off the air. Didn't we knew this was coming? Yeah, we, we figured this was coming. Yeah, we, anyways, well, we, we didn't know, but months we, ago, yeah, how we, we figured this. this one was a guarantee. Right. Mark Mark Barron was out, but the Weddle thing it is, and they don't have cap problems, and and they got some young players on that team. It is a little surprising. I got the only thing I think of is they have a deal with Mo, C.J. Mosley that's through the roof. I'm hoping because yeah, you can't you can't let him walk. You can't you 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 have to overpay him now. You have to because you just saved money getting rid of your defensive leader. So I would yeah, have tagged Mosley though. Yeah, I would have tagged. Him. I would have tagged Mosley too because you can't lose them both. No, you can't lose them both. Very interesting. Very interesting. Baltimore's going to be an interesting team because they're they're changing their whole dynamic now. No Joe Flacco, ground and pound. It worked to get him in the playoffs, and it didn't work in the playoffs. It's this is going to be interesting. That's an interesting club, no question. And we will talk about this a little bit later on in the show. We're going to go over key free agents, and we're about a week away from free agency. So we'll spend some time on that topic here in just a moment. Again, right now, we're going to bring in a special guest who is joining us over the phone. 
Vinny, geeks like us really get into the combine. Some people could sit there, like my wife could sit there and watch this and say, why? What are you doing? I'm kind of a geek about it, right? <laughs> the same, I, 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 look, I make fun of those individuals that love Dungeons and Dragons, you know, those, those guys <laughs> yeah. that love the WWE, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. This is my version of all yeah, that. I, I get is, into it. This, and it is. It's neat. And you know, my favorite part of it, honestly, is is I like when Daniel and Bucky or Daniel and Charles Davis, they talk. And yeah. they tell stories and they talk. You know, as far as the drills, you know, they're pretty useless. I sure. Mean, no, yeah. They're just for fans nowadays. Mm-hmm. The NFL's really not paying attention to those drills. But the stories are amazing. You know, Dion's down on the field. You can see the coaches talking to the kids. So that part of it is what I really like. You can turn the combine on, not even watch it. Just have it on in the background and exactly. pay attention to the audio. Yeah, you don't have to sit down and watch it. No. Yeah, you don't have no. to sit down and watch it. Just hear it. Right. And that's my favorite part is the stories going on, you know, uh, just the scouting version of it too, you know, because yep. you know that uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, they've been in a war room before. Those mm-hmm. guys were NFL scouts. So it's very cool. That part of it is very cool. Well, let's talk to a former NFL scout. Joining us right now over the phone, we have Matt Manicharian. Again, he was an NFL scout for the New Orleans Saints and the Cleveland Browns, and he is the editor of a new book, the SIS Football Rookie Handbook of Sports Info Solutions. Matt, it's a pleasure to have you along today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, guys. Definitely, definitely. I think there's some exciting stuff to talk about here. First off, explain to me the SIS Football Rookie Handbook. What exactly is this? Yeah, so here at Sports Info Solutions, we're, we're actually, uh, we do consulting, basically, for NFL teams. So we collect all this great data and analytics, and we share it with the NFL teams. We, we actually meet with them at the Combine. I had a bunch of meetings last week where we're, we're essentially selling them our services. And what I was able to do was show up at the uh, Combine this year with the SIS Football Rookie Handbook. And what that is is for the top 250 players in the NFL draft, We've broken down all of their scouting reports, which are NFL-style scouting reports, coming from my background as an NFL scout with two teams. And then we're also putting in analytical profiles, where we're having a lot of never-before-seen stats on these guys that, that really can only be found in this book and were only available to NFL teams before now. It's fascinating stuff. And as far as the uh, the actual combine goes, I want to let people listening know as to your background. So you're a former NFL scout for two teams, the Browns and the Saints, correct? Yep, that's right. I spent four years in New Orleans with the Saints under Mickey Loomis, Ryan Pace, Sean Payton, those guys. Um, and then I spent one year in Cleveland on Michael Lombardi's staff before you know Cleveland went Cleveland on me. <laughs> I was going to ask about Cleveland. But being a scout, you know, especially a regional scout in the NFL, it's a tough job, and people don't even know a lot of what you guys do. You spend a lot of time on the road, a lot of time in rooms, in rental cars, going from campus to campus, finding guys. What was your favorite part of that, and what's, what's one of the things that maybe most people don't know about as far as that job goes? Yeah, life on the road is pretty crazy. So from August through November, the whole college football season, you're pretty much on the road about 10 out of every 14 days. Um, So you get one weekend home for every two weeks, basically. But besides that, you're waking up early in a different city every day. Um, You get a lot of Marriott reward points usually because you're staying all the residents in and Spring Hill Suites you can find in all these small different towns where these colleges are. Um, and you're going in, you're grinding a lot of film, you're talking to people, whether it be the coaches or the academic advisors to the uh, strength coaches, whoever it may be on campus. 
um, and you're grinding the film, and then you're hitting the road, and you're on to the next spot. So it's a lot of sore backs. It's a lot of different beds. Um, it's a lot of being away from home. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's an awesome life in a lot of other ways, too. Um, you know, you're not paid a lot, but certainly you get to live that life of being an NFL scout. You get welcomed into all these schools. Um, and I think definitely for me, um, the, the craziest or most interesting part of it for me is probably, um, you know, as a scout, anybody can watch the film, but your, your specialty there is being on the road, getting in, developing relationships at all these places, and being able to get these character reports, really understanding who these guys are on and off the field, and especially what their football character is like. Do they love the game? How hard do they work at it? How well do they understand it? And uh, one thing that I remember is uh, at one point, we actually were interested in a player, and it was around this time of year in March when people are, are going to pro days. And I actually hung out an entire weekend in the same bar in Morgantown, West Virginia, because I got tipped off that if you spend a couple nights in this bar, that this player that we were interested in would show up there. And we were really interested in getting an idea of what he was like when, you know, when the scouts weren't all around. Um, kind of, you know, what, what he's like when he doesn't know that people are watching. And sure enough, after hanging out in there a couple of nights, I got to see him on full display. Um, and, you know, you're like a private investigator in a way when you're doing these kind of jobs. Again, our guest right now is Matt Mattacherry, and he's with Sports Info Solutions. Uh, we'll talk more about the SIS Football Rookie Handbook in just a moment. Matt, my next question, I guess it's in regards comparing to baseball. Okay, so we're in the the new generation of analytics. You cannot have a conversation with anyone in a front office related to baseball today without sabermetrics coming up in some regard. And I think it goes beyond Major League Baseball. I mean, even all the way down to the high school level, we're seeing sabermetrics being implemented. I guess it's somewhat of a new concept when we talk about the NFL, right? I mean, I, that, that's fair to say. The analytics, it's kind of like a revolution that has now hit the game of football. Yeah, I, I think it's great that you bring that up because um, I learned about sports analytics at the Columbia University uh, Master's Program, and Vince Gennaro, who ran the program, he's also the president of Sabre, the Society for American Baseball Research, and he really, you know, when I left the Browns and I was trying to figure out my next move, he really sold me on this idea that baseball was already post-Moneyball. Basketball is in their Moneyball era, and it's coming in football. And sure enough, he's been right so far. We really are just on the beginning of the changes that we're starting to see in this sport as a result of, of some of these analytics and uh, some of the new ways of thinking about the game. Now, I think that uh, before we get too crazy with analytics, though, in football, and is this something that can fit, which is always a question people are asking, forever in football we've been using tendency reports. I never went to a football practice, even in high school, when my coaches weren't talking about, hey, when you line up in this alignment, this is what we can expect them to be in terms of coverage-wise. Hey, when, you know, when they line up in this formation, this is, this is what they tend to run 70% of the time. All of these things, I'm not sure exactly what the line is between tendencies and analytics. They sound awfully familiar to me. All that analytics really is is we're using, it's 2019, we've got computers, we've got modern tools, and sometimes the data can tell us things that we can't see with our naked eye alone. And, and, and it gives us reason to go back. And nobody's trying to replace scouts or anything like that. Nobody's trying to change the game for the worse. All we're trying to do is learn more about it, make better decisions, because after all, that's what analytics really is. It's decision-making. And uh, make the game better. Make more informed decisions so that, so that we're calling this game, playing the game the right way. Bringing up this analytics, for a lot of these guys, 
are you seeing some uh, maybe some hesitation? Some of these guys have been in the NFL a long time. A lot of them are just trusting their guts and their eyes in the film. Do you get a lot, you know, some of these guys giving you hesitation on as far as, you know, saber metrics, tendency reports or whatnot? I mean, they, they, the film, they tend to lend to their tendencies anyways. But do you get some of that from, you know, when you're at the Combine from some of these guys? Yeah, I think that um, it's amazing how much it's changed in the last couple of years. We developed our first NFL team partnership in 2016. You know, we've been doing this on the baseball side at Sports Info Solutions since 2002. We were founded by John DeWan and Bill James of kind of Moneyball fame. And there was never, uh, you know, since 2007 when the movie Moneyball came out, there's never been a question about it. With base, with uh, football, 2016, those meetings were a little bit tougher. Um, that's when we got our first team partnership. But it's really accelerated in the last couple of years. And it's really at a point right now where people are realizing, okay, we resisted this as long as we could and then some. And now if we don't start to figure out what's going on here, we're going to get left behind. The two teams that won the last two Super Bowls are two of the most progressive-minded teams, the Patriots and the Eagles, in terms of thinking about new ways that we can attack this. And, I mean, the Patriots in particular, they won six out of the last 18 Super Bowls, I think. They had a guy named Ernie Adams in there who was a former Wall Street guy since about the year 2001 working with them on this kind of stuff. So it doesn't all have to look like one sort of thing. And always you're going to have the biggest advantage when you can tie in the actual football to some of these concepts because these concepts are nothing without the actual football tied into them. Um, but, but I certainly think that we're at a point right now where we've seen kind of the tipping point come, and now teams really seem like they're in a hurry to understand it because they realize that it's an existential threat if they don't. Again, our guest right now is uh, Matt Manicharian. He's the editor of the new book, The SIS Football Rookie Handbook. We're going to talk about the, uh, the, the combine from this past weekend. Matt, we'll dive right into it. Who helped their draft stock significantly this past weekend? Well, I think we saw a lot of players run really well in this one. We knew it was going to be a strong defensive draft, and our top prospect coming in was Quinnen Williams out of Alabama. All he did was run a 4-8, 40-yard dash at over 300 pounds, which I, I really didn't think was possible. So that one, that one certainly jumps out at you. Montez Sweat, the edge rusher running a 4-4-1 at his size, you know, real crazy stuff there. We all knew coming in that DK Metcalf was going to be a workout wonder. I don't think we knew just the extent of what that was going to look like. Him at, I think, 228 pounds running, running in the low four threes. I mean, just really crazy stuff. And even going back, some of the off-ball linebackers that we talk about, Devin Bush from Michigan, um, the kid out of LSU as well, both of these guys running low four, four times from the linebacker position. Uh, Greedy Williams, the corner at LSU, we had speed concerns about him. He ran four three two. Those are out the window. I mean, it, it's really crazy how, how some of these guys ran. And when you see that kind of evidence of speed that, that you might have suspected on film, but you see that there bear itself out at the Combine, those guys are all moving up draft boards. Let me throw a quarterback out there because, of course, that's the position that gets a lot of pub around this time of the year. And I, I'm a little bit tired of talking about Kyler Murray. I'm a little bit tired of talking about the Wayne Haskins. So let me throw a quarterback out there, and I want your evaluation out of him. Tyree Jackson, when we talk about athletes, this guy's an athlete, to say the least. Talk to me about how he performed at the Combine and how teams who maybe have time for a little refinement out of a quarterback would play him. 
So I think he's a really interesting prospect. Obviously, the size and the athleticism, you know, you see some special characteristics there in the arm. He's got a big old arm. Um, he can really throw the ball. In terms of consistency there and all that, and, you know, kind of what he's done on the field so far. But I'm with you. In terms of development, um, certainly you look at some of the tools. He reminds me of a guy that I scouted out of Virginia Tech a few years ago named Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. I think they got him in like the third round. And it, to be honest with you, I graded Logan Thomas as a tight end. I thought that the whole way through, he didn't have the accuracy. I don't think you can really teach accuracy. Um, and despite that he had a lot of great physical tools, and he had been a winning college quarterback at Virginia Tech, I was, I was skeptical of the ability there. But I did see somebody who, oh, my, you big-time athlete. He can really run. Um, he was somebody I was interested in at the tight end position, and, and I liked him for that developmental role. We have Tyree Jackson graded out a little bit more highly as a quarterback. We think that he's got a chance. We got, you know, a backup level grade on him overall with some overall kind of um, upside and, and kind of developmental ability. You'd have to stash him. You don't expect him to be playing right away. And there's certainly value in guys that can play more quickly because you get the cost-controlled rookie contracts. So for, for me, he'd be somebody that I wouldn't really be thinking about until late. But, yeah, I'm with you in terms of uh, having some interesting physical tools there. Um, you can take a shot at him, and you could really find yourself with something special. So, Matt, being a, being a scout on the road and, and knowing these guys, a lot of people watching the, the coverage on TV, they get to see these drills and they get excited about these drills. You know, you being there at the Combine with a lot of it, a, a lot of that stuff on the field, the on-the-field drills, you guys don't p- really pay much attention to as far as, you know, grading out your prospects. But let me ask you, what is the most important thing? Is it really the interviews? Is it the medical? What at the Combine, you know, when you're talking to these GMs, you know, what, what is the most important thing that they see or do they get out of the combine? Yeah, you're spot on. I can't stand a lot of these on-field drills. I've been to about 10 combines at this point, and just send me the results at the end of the week, will you? Um, how many times can you watch guys, you know, in their shorts walk across the room or in run a 40-yard dash and jump up and blah, blah, blah? So I'm not, I'm not too into that stuff. I'm with you as far as all that goes. Um, the biggest thing that you get out of the combine, I think any NFL GM would tell you the injury stuff. It's the injury evaluations. Every doctor is getting their hands in, on every one of these players for a full exam to do whatever they need there. So that's the number one thing. And number two would be interviews, way ahead of all the drills and measurements and stuff like that. The interviews are really huge because, you, like I said before, as, as a scout, you're trying to get a sense of this, but this is your opportunity to actually talk to the guy, to shake his hand, to look him in the eyes, to hear him speak, to hear his intelligence as he tells you things. And then, as I mentioned before, the football character, getting them on the film and being able to see, okay, um, when you when you line up in this and when the defense makes this adjustment, then, then what are you going to do there? Um, all that kind of stuff really tells you something about how somebody can develop if they can really understand the game. So the, the, I would say medical number one and interviews number two as far as the combine goes. Again, being joined right now by Matt Manicherian, Sports Info Solutions, editor of the book, the SIS Football Rookie Handbook. 
Uh, Matt, I'm going to go back over the weekend combine. Is now the growing talk of the NFL draft, and there was talk of Kyler Murray going number one overall. And again, I want to stay away from the Kyler Murray talk here for just a moment. But if we talk winners and losers, based off of this past weekend, I have to believe that the key to the NFL draft now goes through San Francisco picking at number two. Basically, based off what you just said about the likes of Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen is another guy that you could throw out there. The idea that San Francisco was picking number two and a pass rush heavy draft they hold the keys now following this past weekend don't they well i mean i don't think they hold the keys any more so than the cardinals do but if you're assuming that the cardinals are going to draft kyler murray then yeah i think they've got their pick of the you know best player available or to trade down yeah absolutely i mean that's my thought process on it i mean you could trade down a couple of spots especially if you were to target i guess a QB, a team needy right now. I mean, I, the Niners are in a position where they can move down. I, I think that there's several options on the board for them. Is this one of the deeper classes that you've seen, at least from a defensive front standpoint? Top of the draft, the defensive line is really, really unbelievable. I think there are just like five players off the top of my head that I think if you came home with, you should be really, really thrilled. Um, and then, you know, from there, I think that um, – the depth in the draft definitely is much more so on the defensive side. We do see depth at some of the offensive positions, but in the first round, there's a lot of high-end talent on all levels of the defense. Now, when you're scouting and you're talking, when you're putting your prospect books together, or when you're back in your days on the road, so when you're talking to Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton, when you guys spend a lot of time on campus, you guys kind of got a gauge of what the next three draft classes really look like. I mean, do you guys see the difference in depth in... You know, when you're planning these things out, you have meetings with your free agents, you have meetings with the draft and all that other stuff. You guys being a scout, when you're on the road, you guys get to kind of game plan, I guess, or forecast the next couple drafts, right? Yep, you always got to have your eyes on the best player in your region um, and, and looking at all the, you know, the best guys at each school that are coming up, that are coming down the line so that you know where that's at. And then you can also get feedback to your general manager about what he can expect and, and who's graded out highly in the next draft. You've got to know the quarterbacks. You've got to always have an eye on the quarterbacks, of course, um, especially if you're a quarterback needy team. But, uh, you know, one thing that's tricky with trying to over-project that stuff too much is that a lot, a lot changes in football in a year. You don't always know what your team is going to look like in a year, and you also don't always know, you know, how many juniors are going to come out, how many redshirt sophomores. Quinny Williams wasn't a guy who was on the top of a lot of boards at the beginning of the year, but he's really elevated himself with his play. I mean, Kyler Murray, it goes without saying, people thought that he was a baseball player. So um, to some extent, yeah, you're doing the intel, and you better watch these guys for three, four, five years, as many as you can, and not just go off of that senior year film if you want to be the best of the best as a scout. But, um, yeah, I, I, think that, I think that, you know, all this stuff is, is, is kind of a challenge, and it's a little bit of a moving target. Two more questions for you, Matt, before I let you go. i got to ask you, what is draft day like for an NFL scout? Draft day. Draft day is pretty interesting. You wake up and it's exciting. I mean, it's it's finally you spent you spent the whole year cooking, and it's finally meal time. So, in one sense, I think that's definitely you know it, it's our game day. So that part's really cool. In another sense, you're not the decision maker. You're the scout. You're you're an advisor. You're here to to give your your input. They're going to consider your input, but you're not a decision maker. 
Um, so it can be frustrating in that regard. And a, a great example of that would be going from New Orleans, where I spent the first four years of my career, where all the scouts were inside the draft room. We were all heavily involved in the process. Uh, we had the coaches right next door, and we would pull them in for all any kinds of conversations if we were thinking about a guy at any of their positions to make sure we're all on the same page, trying to build consensus. And when we made consensus picks, we all felt great about them, and I don't think there was any, you know, Mickey and Sean, they were happy to defer to each other in terms of making those picks. Um, and we were all involved with it in a really nice way. In Cleveland, there were about five people in the draft room when I was there. Um, all the scouts were out in a different room, and we were never consulted for anything, let alone the coaches. Um, and then, you know, we saw the decision makers make decisions that were really disheartening and weren't any consensus decisions at that time. You know, I'm sitting next to our, our scout who covers Texas who said, we should not draft Johnny Manziel. I don't care what you think of him on the field. He is an absolute ticking time bomb off the field. There's no way. I don't approve of him as, as a player out of my region that we should draft. And then suddenly, you know, you see the owner on TV saying, a homeless guy told me we should draft Johnny Manziel, so we drafted him. You know, it doesn't get more disheartening than that. So it depends where you are and what the situation is. But when you make those picks, the guys that are your guys that you feel like you've done your work on as a scouting staff and you built a consensus, man, it's, it's opening the Christmas gifts. So i got to ask you, being all those years on the road, who is the most interesting, the funnest? What's the best guest coach to deal with when you're out there on the road? College coach. That's interesting. You know, when I think of fun coaches to deal with, the name that definitely comes to mind would be Rob Ryan, who I overlapped with for about two months in New Orleans when I was leaving there and heading to the Browns. And, I mean, Rob Ryan, just everything you would expect, the hair flips, you know, constantly, just uh, <laughs> this is what we're looking for in a three technique. This is what we're looking for in an outside linebacker. He came in and he said, I want 11 guys that know how to play football. <laughs> like, just everything that you would expect um, from, from kind of Orion. So he's definitely the guy that comes to mind in that regard. Uh, my fun fact story about Sean Payton was, I was actually living with him for about two months because I don't know if you remember in 2011 or 2012, Jimmy Grant rolled up on the sideline at one play and actually took out Coach Payton's knee. So he had to have a whole big surgery and he couldn't drive for a while. So what I would do, uh, you know, the, the GM asked me to drive him to work in the morning, drive him back in the evening, and then he had extra, an extra bedroom in his, in his spot. I'd sleep over there in case, you know, he needed anything, he couldn't get up, you know, just anything sort of emergency. And, you know, I was young scouting assistant, of course, I was happy to do it. But um, the funniest day was one day we were watching 1 o'clock football games just on TV because uh, the, the 8 p.m. Sunday night game was the game that we were playing it. So we had some hours to kill. Kind of really unusual when you have that Sunday night game schedule. So he said, man, I'm going to have my friend Kenny come over. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, you know, what, what am I going to say? No, you can't have your friend over, Coach. So he <laughs> comes over. And, and Coach says, Matt, I want you to go pick up a platter from the deli. He ordered a platter, sandwiches, stuff like that. I come walking back from the deli with the platter, and there's about 20 people in, the, in there. And I'm going, what is going on here? And, and Coach says, hey, Matt, come over. I want to introduce you to Kenny. He introduces me, and I, and I look at him, and I say, oh, hey, Kenny, nice to meet you. Coach told me all about you. And they both look at me, and they realize I had no idea who Kenny Chesney was. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Matt Matacharian, again, of Sports Info Solutions. Matt, before I let you go, please let the listeners know where they can pick up the SIS Football Rookie Handbook and, and more about Sports Info Solutions in general. 
Thanks so much for having me, guys. You can find the book on actasports.com. That's A-C-T-A sports.com. It's also available on Amazon if you prefer. And then you can find me on Twitter at Matt Mano, M-A-T-T-M-A-N-O, and on Sports Info Solutions Twitter at Sports Info underscore S-I-S. We're tweeting out interesting facts about football, baseball, all the time. Um, and it's a great place to keep up with all of our newest and latest advancements. Matt, it was a pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks, guys. Great stuff. Matt Maticharian, the SIS Football Rookie Handbook, the Comprehensive Scouting and Analytics Guide to the 2019 NFL Draft. I have it right in front of me right now. This thing is incredible. We're talking about 250 players, two pages per player. I mean, right now I'm looking at Andre Dillard. Offensive tackle, ranked number four of 16 from Washington State. You can get uh, one-liners, overall pass game, run game, last word. You're going to go over weaknesses, strengths, critical factors. I mean, check it out. This is the Bible when it comes to the NFL draft, which is right around the corner. Look, you can't have combine talk, Vinny, without NFL free agency talk. They go hand in hand. They go hand in hand, yeah. So much of free agency plays in to what's going to happen at the draft. And look, we can sit here and talk about the draft all day fact of the matter is free agency is going to drastically change things right absolutely the, the reports that nick Foles is going to sign in jacksonville that changes everything we talked about last week yeah everything with four quarterbacks going in the top 15 and it's not going to happen now well i find it ridiculous to have a mock draft before free agency yeah that's an absolute waste of time <laughs> yeah, you know, mock draft yeah before free agency or the on-college workouts or on-campus workouts are a complete waste of time well quinn and williams we just talked about it yeah. right we've had mock drafts out for a year yeah, he wasn't even he wasn't even a starter. No, no, no. And so there are a lot of big names that will hit the open market next Wednesday. So we will have time to talk about this, I know, next Tuesday. But let's take a look at it. And right off of the bat, I just mentioned Nick Foles. He's going to sign with Jacksonville. It seems like a foregone conclusion at this point in time, right? That's And that's a proper landing spot, I think, for Foles. I actually like it. Now, the problem I have with it... What's Jacksonville going to do to improve the situation around him? Because I don't think Blake Bortles is a terrible quarterback. I think Blake Bortles has had a terrible supporting cast. Yeah, I don't. I honest. I'm going to be honest with you, Jordan. Here, Philly had a pretty good uh, system to help. They Foles. did. Yeah, they did. Both times. Both times. Absolutely. So I don't see an honest. I'll be completely honest with you. People are going to be like, "You're crazy." Right now, if Nick Foles and Jacksonville, I don't see any difference between him and Blake Bortles. If they don't improve what's going on around him, I don't. You're not getting an upgrade in my mind. Blake Bortles is more athletic, way more athletic. Same size, big arms. Um, they've had good years. People forget Bortles threw for 4,500 yards, yeah. 36 touchdowns. Two one years year. ago. Had, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. He had a monster Two years year. Ago, yeah. But he had great receivers mm-hmm. at that time. If ever, you know, people remember. I don't see an upgrade. I'll be honest with you. People are like, what do you mean? It's Nick Foles and Philadelphia with the surrounding cast. I don't see an upgrade. Again, this is where I go back to watching the games. Yeah. Okay. Nick Foles is a guy that did not lose games for Philadelphia. Didn't lose games. Okay. I don't view Nick Foles as the guy that wins games for Philadelphia. There's a difference. Okay. There's a difference between a quarterback that will not lose you games. They say, the game manager, people say that that's an indictment on someone. It's not. It's, it's not. not. It's not a negative. It's not. So, to me, I guess it's a seamless fit in a sense that Jacksonville doesn't want to use a top 10 pick on a quarterback. That's fine. I'm curious to see what the dollar amount is, but I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think Nick Foles is going to end up in Jacksonville. So, if we get past that, top free agents to hit the open market next Wednesday. Le'Veon Bell. Someone's going to pay this guy. The Jets. 
Maybe think, Baltimore. Maybe Baltimore. Uh, well, maybe that's what they're cleaning house for. Maybe I, so. It could be. You know, they, they're Very not. Well, could be for, in my mind, that's a mistake. Well, they didn't tag Mosley and you get rid of Weddle. You've got to focus on both sides of the ball. Although I will say this, and I would be a hypocrite if I didn't bring this up. I'm always the guy that says you have to complement your draft assets, right? We're viewing at this point in time, Lamar Jackson is an asset because you used a first round pick on him. So if you don't compliment him in some regard, you're doing it's it's a wasted pick. And I, well, it, it is. He, I, mean, you, I agree you with you. A, you. I agree with you. And, and you want you want to change your offense to be a ground and pound team? Correct. You do. But who's he throwing it to? They already cut Crabtree. Right. Who? who, who literally, who is Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to next well, year? You know, we, we didn't talk winners and losers of the combine. We didn't talk about the Ole Miss receiving court. It wasn't just DK Metcalf. It was Ole Miss receivers in general that were winners Met- over the combine. Oh, so, Metcalf was incredible no. looking, wasn't he? On, on the <laughs> hoof? He was incredible the looking. Top 10 he played himself. He will be the first wide receiver off the board. Oh, I'm, yeah. call, I'm calling it uh, right now. Oh, yeah. He goes to Buffalo. Yeah, I'm calling I, I, it right I can now. I see that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo money spends money on receiver to add to it, too. They need two. So... Again, Le'Veon Bell, one of the top free agents. Earl Thomas is going to be a top free agent that will hit the open market on Wednesday. C.J. Mosley, if you have the money and you can pay a linebacker, by all means. Hey, Tom Telesco, if you're listening for the Chargers, go ahead and do what you got to do to get C.J. Mosley. <laughs> do what you got to do to get C.J. Mosley, please. The fact that Baltimore is willing to let this guy become an unrestricted free agent, to me, stupid. I don't get it. I just don't see this one. Maybe, you know, the linebacker mark in the game change, but he's a three-down backer. So he's not he's he's not a specialty player. He's a three-down linebacker. And, so. and look, use the tag to your advantage. If you tag him, you have until July 15th to work out a long-term deal, right? Yeah, and, and that allows them to negotiate with other teams. You can peg his value. Yeah. yeah to me, I, I don't get that one. Trey Flowers, another big-time name that's going to hit the free agent market. Defensive end, we talk about how devastating a pass rush is in this day and age. He's not a dominant pass rusher. He's not. He's, he's not. not. And the scheme will help him. I, I see he's a scheme-specific player. So I, he's one of those guys that gets overpaid. They're going to say, well, in Patriots he did. You know, I could see Patricia overpaying him. And I could see him coming back to Belichick after Belichick tells him, hey, you think you're worth this? Go see if you can get it. And he's done that in the past. If you think you're worth he's it, gonna get it, go get it. You, you know why he's going to get it? Because we are in awe of the last time we saw Trey Flowers out on the field. We're in awe. And sports is a what have you done for me lately. Too. That is correct. How many times have you seen a guy overpaid based on what happened in the final time we saw him on the field the previous season? He won a Super Bowl. He, he was part of the defense that shut down one of the gurus, right? One of the young geniuses yeah, in yeah. football. He's going to get overpaid. He's going to get overpaid. I'm telling you right now, he's going to get overpaid. And the, and the Patriots have the money, and, and they're so good at doing that, saying this is what you're worth. And we won't give you more than that. If you can get more than that, good on you. But we'll give you this much. And I'm sure they've made him an offer. I'm sure they've told him, hey, we think you're worth this much. Here it is. I would pay him if I'm New England. I would. I would. I, I would I'm him. sure they made him an offer. But, you know, maybe Belichick said, hey, dude, you're worth $10 million bucks to me. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what New York, the New York Jets are going to say. Well, I got $100 million. You're worth fourteen to me. You never know. So that'll be an interesting name. That'll be an interesting name. Antonio Brown, you know, he's not a free agent, but no, he but is a free agent. He, he, he is, is a free for the most agent. Part. Um, <clears throat> Look, we already talked about Earl Thomas. Let me throw two more safeties out there. You have Landon Collins and you have the Honey Badger, Tyra Matthew. Both are going to hit the open. And LaMarcus Joyner. And LaMarcus Joyner, because and the Rams so are the not going to bring him back. Now, right? you know, you're adding Weddle and Earl yeah. Thomas to this. So. Right. 
Safety's um, a deep position. Safety's a huge and a deep position in the draft. It is. So yeah, this might be a bad year for the free agent safeties because there's so many. Okay, now on the flip side of that, let me give you another free agent where the class isn't nearly as deep, and I think he's going to get paid. It's Trent Brown. Exactly, yes. Because that's the not a deep tackle. Right. That's right. And another one, though, the first round tackles in the draft, there's some really good ones. There's some really good ones. So that would be interesting because you think about the opposite way, the safeties. There's going to be six front-line safeties out there, so they're going to bring the price down. Mm-hmm. And we saw it last year. Nobody got paid. Right. Weddle's 34. Earl Thomas is 31, I believe, correct? 31? Yeah, so, just over 30, right. And Earl Thomas, he boasted flat out, I'm going to be the highest paid safety in the NFL. He may, not, yes, he has. And I don't think he's going to be. I think he's <laughs> going to be sorely mistaken on that. But we'll I find. Know. I, I don't think know. he's going to be sorely mistaken. So, someone will pay him. I'm sure they will, but to be the highest paid safety in the NFL, I don't think he's going to get it. Yeah, time will tell. I, I don't he, think he gets it. I mean, you're looking at the highest paid safety, what's $11 million now annually? Because mm-hmm. Eric Berry is. Right. And that, that was a. Eric Berry has done nothing for the Chiefs for three years he well, hardly played I'm, I'm just saying he's injured he's a good player but yeah and, and injuries for three years he's not i'm more look i would spend 14 to 15 million on cj mosley before i spend it on safety oh absolutely i'm just oh, saying oh, absolutely. so i wouldn't even have to think twice yeah, about yeah, that, yeah okay? that's a no-brainer sheldon richardson is another name and we're talking about so and again this is very deep in the nfl draft as well so i'm curious to see what someone's willing to shell out for sheldon richardson uh, but again, marquee free agent that'll hit guys, the open market. I wonder, now I'm going to tell you, Jordan, a few of these guys, the NFL has more money, obviously, and there's going to be teams that are desperate. They're, they have to be. But there's going to be a lot of teams that say, hey, wait a minute. A lot of these free agents, I bet this year, I have a feeling they're going to be after the draft signings. And that does happen. After that first wave of free agency, you see that second and third wave. The teams will say, look, you know what? Especially D-line and safeties, they'll say, you know what? Hey, hold that thought. We're going to the NFL draft. That's a Deep, deep, deep draft. Mm-hmm. We'll see how we do there before we're going to give you that $10 million bucks. Well, I'm going to throw a name out there to you. And again, I'm being a homer here, but this was a guy that picked up a lot of attention over the weekend. Jerry Tillery was a four-year starter at Notre Dame. Picked yeah. up a lot of attention yeah. over the weekend, okay? He's projected to go in the back half of the first round. You know how much money you can save by going with someone like Jerry Tillery, who doesn't necessarily give you a lot as far as uh, you know the, the rushing attack goes, but at the same time, you're, you're talking about a... a a legitimate pass rusher, right? Mm-hmm. Going in the back half of the first round compared to dishing out a lot of money for someone like Sheldon. To me, uh, yeah, I, I think... He might be a wait and see. Sheldon Richardson he, might he find really, that market. Yes. He's going to say, oh, I guess I didn't value myself as everybody else does. And that happens quite a bit. Well, it's not that no one values him. It's that you're playing money ball, right? We just talked to a former NFL right. scout that's talking about the analytical aspect of it. And yeah. you can save a lot of money with a rookie-scale contract compared to giving a seasoned vet Buku bucks in the offseason. And with this being a deep draft class, I agree with you. I think he is a wait and see. And you're going to see because the, the, the agent and the player are going to price themselves at one price. And the NFL may not see him that way. How long was Sue on the market last year? Quite a while. Didn't he sign in May? And he, he had it narrowed down to three teams. Yeah. Um, New Orleans, Tennessee, and L.A. Those were the three teams. But he hung around for a while. And I get that he was trying to pick his spot. And it's, it's, it is a different story than, say, Sheldon, but at the same time, nobody was knocking down the door to give Indomitian Sue big money over a long span. At, over a long term at all. He no. got a one-year deal. And I think and he, he didn't himself. earn it until the playoffs. Well, I'll be didn't. honest with you. He I don't think he earned it until the playoffs. He and didn't. then in the playoffs, he was dominant. Yeah. He did great. But during the regular season, me and you talked about and it. And I don't know how much of that was by design with it Wade could Phillips. Be. I, I really don't we know. Don't, yeah, we don't know, but he didn't really dominate till late later in the year. So does that play into it? They said, hey, that guy in the playoffs was amazing. 
Now maybe he gets in a little extra money. So I'm, I'm real curious to see how free agency is going to shape the draft and likewise because it's going to be very interesting. And I, I'm the, on one position I'm really going to keep an eye on is a position need for my Chargers is safety. There's a lot out there. There's a lot in the draft. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting to me how that plays out for L.A. Both L.A. teams, actually, both our right, teams. Because right. Joyner's going to be a free agent, and he's not coming back on that money. Well, Joyner's going to be a free agent. I, he's not coming back to L.A. He's not. I think his time with the Rams organization is finished. And let's be real. This is the danger of playing on the franchise tag. Vinny, he did not earn that money last no, year. No, he didn't. He it was, was not dominant. Of, and, and he is, look, he is very fortunate that the Rams won the NFC Championship. Otherwise, we'd be talking about a 50-50 ball that Drew Brees threw up down the field, right? Dante Fowler, more than likely not coming back. And Dominic Sue, more than likely not coming back. We've talked about Tyrell Williams as well for the Chargers. Oh, yeah, the Chargers not coming back. There, there's a lot of interesting names out there. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I mean, oh, only an hour long, best. but... Look, we got next week to talk. Yeah, all Yeah, we got agency. next week to talk about a lot of different things. It'll be the eve of it. Yeah, it's awesome. Always good to talk about it. We are out of time on this edition of Bolts and Horns, a pro football show. We'll be back again next Tuesday. Don't forget, we're available on iTunes now. Make sure you give us a like, subscribe, and each week, pro football talk with a little bit of an L.A. fill. Vinny, Charger Homer, me, Ram Homer. We'll be back to do it again next week. More pro football talk as we gear up for the NFL draft and, of course, free agency. We'll see you next week on Bolts and Horns. Serving all of eastern Utah, this is News Talk, 107.3 FM and 7.50 AM. KOAL. Price.